Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit us online at redemption.ca. Well, good morning. If you want to find a seat, we're going to get into Genesis. And we're getting near to the end of the book. Uh, we're almost there. We have uh, this week and next week, and then we are going to get into the book of Exodus uh, as we continue our studies uh, together as a church. And uh, it's interesting as you look at the book of Genesis, we really see it, it book ended with blessing. At the beginning, we see the blessing of God on this earth. Everything that he made was good. He blessed Adam and Eve and commissioned them to go be fruitful and multiply, to have dominion over the earth. Uh, but then sin came, right? And from chapters 3 through 11, we, we see the consequences of that sin and, and see the inclination of mankind to sin over and over again. But then, but then we, there was this promise in Genesis 3 that there would be one who would come, who would reverse the curse. Uh, but cursing is what we had seen from 3 through 11. But in chapter 12, we see that there's going to be a family line that, that there will be blessing come from. And, and we read in Genesis 12, uh, 2 and 3, and I will make you of you a great nation. This is God speaking to Abraham. And I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and in him, and him who dishonors you I'll curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So there's this promise that there's going to be blessing go out all over the earth through this family line. And now as we get to the end of Genesis, we see, well, what, what happens after Israel? What will, what, how will this blessing be passed on? And what's fascinating is we study the text uh, this morning. We're going to see that the blessings that are given to the sons of, of Jacob have an impact on you and I being blessed today. Uh, that, like over 3,000, 3,500 years later, we are recipients of blessings through this blessing. And so uh, do you believe that this morning? That you're blessed, right? Not just because you're Canadian, but do you believe that you're, you're blessed as a believer? What would, you, what would you say to that? How have you been blessed? And maybe your mind starts to think, okay, how are there's some of the things that God has given me? Uh, and I, I want us to hopefully uh, grow that uh, knowledge in our time together this morning. Uh, but then, do you seek to be a blessing? Those of you who are blessed, do you seek to be a blessing to others. And, and, and I pray that you would say yes to that as well. Yes, I'm blessed and I, I am seeking to be a blessing. And what we see is it's all tied together uh, with God's promises. And so we're going to be looking at uh, Genesis 48 and 49 this morning. We won't get all the way through 49, but close to it. Uh, and so we've got a lot to cover in a short amount of time. And so uh, let's uh, pray together and then we're going to get into it. Lord God, we, we come to you uh, just as we've just sung. Lord, we depend on you. We depend on you. Lord, if we were to grow in our knowledge and understanding of you today, Lord, we need your spirit to lead us and guide us. Lord, to convict us of sin where it needs to be convicted of. Lord, to, 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 to uh, encourage our hearts to continue to walk in your ways, to, to spur us on. Lord, to equip us as your saints for the work of the ministry, Lord, that you have for us. God, we depend on you. 
And so, God, I, I pray, even myself, Lord, as I preach now, Lord, I am dependent on you. Lord, would you speak through me? Lord, help me to say the things, Lord, you would want me to. Lord, so that your people might be fed and encouraged and strengthened and then sent out from here. So, God, have your way in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and slip up your hand. We want to make sure everybody can read along uh, in God's Word together. Uh, we're going to begin, as I mentioned, Genesis, starting in Genesis 48. And so if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and slip up your hand. The ushers will get you one. And then let's flip to Genesis 48 together. And as we do, I want us to see, first of all, the blessings of God to you. How, how, are, how do these blessings come about, the blessings of God to you? And what we've seen in our study of Genesis is that God is the one who's in charge of giving the blessing. He is the one who, who is over it all. Um, before Jacob and Esau had even been born, God said uh, Jacob would be blessed, Esau not so much. And, 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 and we, as we say that, sometimes we can be like, well, that doesn't seem fair, Right? Well, before we start getting onto the throne of God, maybe we should recognize what? That he is God. This is really important for us as we, because sometimes it's hard on our brains a little bit, and we're like, oh, that really hurts my brain. Okay, that's okay. But then let's, let's just remind ourselves we're here, and he is here, right? He is the great I am. He is just. He is righteous, and he is always good. And so... In his determination of giving out the blessings, all of those things are true. The one who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, he owns it all. It's all his, and he gives blessings to whom he desires. And not in the way, oftentimes, that we would expect and to whom we would expect. And we're going to see that highlighted again as we look at Genesis 48 this morning. After this... Is the, what we read in verse 1. After what? After he had got Joseph to agree that he would take Jacob's body and bury it back in Canaan. He knows that his life is getting short. And so he says, would you do me this favor? Would you make sure that my body is taken back to Canaan and buried there? Why? Because he believes in the promises of God. His home is not Egypt. His home is Canaan. And that's what he uh, demonstrates through his faith in being buried there. So Joseph was told after this, what? Joseph was told, behold, your father is ill. Whether this is days later or weeks later, we're not sure. But, but remember the situation. Joseph is only in charge of what? The whole world, basically, right? He's over Egypt, and, and, and all the nations are coming to them for food. And so he has been set up in the city. He's not living in Goshen with the rest of the family. And so he needs someone to communicate to him what's happening back home. And so someone comes and says, hey, your dad's sick. And he knows based on the fact that he's already talked to him about uh, the fact that his life won't be much longer, that he needs to be urgent and go and see his father. And as he goes, he, we read that he took with, his two sons, took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And it was told to Jacob, your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. We, we see he's not in good shape, right? If you're summoning all your strength to just simply sit up in bed, you're sick, right? You're, you're, you know, you're, not, you're not doing well. But what I want us to note is that he doesn't sit and talk about his sickness for the rest of his time, right? 
I mean, as Canadians, sometimes we can be fixated on the problems and miss the blessings, right? We, we, can, we, can, we can sit there and just think about the moment and then forget to reflect on God's past faithfulness. And, and what Jacob is, he's, he's a model for us. As we near the end of our days, this is the way it ought to be. We ought to be saying, look at all that God has done for me. He's going to recount how God has blessed him. And then he's going to look forward as, as one who has been given the promises. He now is given the responsibility to pass on the blessings through God's wisdom, through God's leading. This is not just Jacob making things up. He's speaking as a prophet here now. And not in his own wisdom, but through the leading of God. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And I said to, and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. And I will make of you a company of peoples and will give you this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. He remembers meeting the Lord God. He first met him in Luz on his way down to Laban. And, and he said, you know, Lord, if you actually get me back to this land, I will come back and praise you again. 20 years later, he came back into the land. He had a detour at Shechem, if you'll remember, back in Genesis 35. But he finally gets back to Luz. And that's where God says, listen, this is what's going to happen to you. This will be the blessings given to you. Uh, this God, El Shaddai, God Almighty, he is the one who will make him fruitful and multiply him. He is the one that will make him a company of peoples and give him the land as an everlasting possession. He is the one who will do it. And so now he is needing to pass on these blessings. Verse 5, And now your two sons... Who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are. All right, so he's adopting these kids, is what's happening here. And we're going to see there's even a little adoption ceremony. But he's saying, Ephraim and Manasseh are going to be my kids. Why did this happen? Well, we're going to see a little bit of the foreshadowing in Genesis 49, but 1 Chronicles 5.1. Again, I'll just write these verses down. Look them up for yourself later. We're going to be alluding to other verses. But 1 Chronicles 5.1 says this, The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's couch, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, so that he could not be enrolled as the oldest son. Why is this needing to happen that Reuben and Simeon are going to be replaced? Because of their sin. And we're going to see how our sin impacts blessing. Simeon's sin was a sin of violence, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. And then it says, And the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. And this is the first that we learn that Joseph had other kids, right? wasn't just Ephraim and Manasseh. And what he's saying by this statement, he's saying, all, the, all, the, all your other children, their blessings will fall under Ephraim and Manasseh. And so he says this, verse 7, As for me, when I came from Padan to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way, when there was still some distance to go to Epaphrath. And I buried her there on the way to Epaphrath, that is Bethlehem. Okay, that's, that's an interesting story. Like, why, why is he bringing this up? Is it just, you know, he's old now and he's just kind of reliving all the old days and having his old memories. Like, that's not what's going on here. 
he's explaining why he's needing to adopt these two children. In other words, his wife, Rachel, didn't have time to have more children. And her line had been cut off. But now through Joseph, the line will be continued with Ephraim and Manasseh. And so this is, this is why uh, he needs to adopt these two children. Verse 8, now 8 through 13, we kind of see this adoption ceremony. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? And Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me here. And he said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him and he kissed them and he embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. So Hughes is helpful here in just helping us to understand how this is ceremonial. Who were these? A question that functioned in a way similar to the question that begins modern day marriages. Who gives this woman to be married to this man? The ceremonial response, her mother and I do, is paralleled by Joseph's ceremonial response. Following this, Jacob's kiss and embrace of the boys were significant gestures in the adoption process. Lastly, Joseph's removal of his sons from his knees and bowing with his face to the earth was a consummating gesture of the adoption, right? And so this is, an all, this is all encompassing a ceremony of adoption. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes you read these things and you kind of don't put all the pieces together. So, so Manasseh and Ephraim were sitting on grandpa's knees, they're like in their 20s now, okay? And then Joseph pulls them off the knee. I mean, that's, so what's going on here? Likely what's happening is he sat himself up in bed and they've bowed themselves over his knees. This is the ceremony that's happening. And then Joseph in his bowing is saying, I agree to this adoption process. And so just to kind of Make sure we have the right pictures in our mind, right? Manasseh and Ephraim aren't being bounced on Jacob's lap here. Uh, there is this, this adoption ceremony that's happening. Now, it should be no surprise as we've learned about Joseph, but again, he's exemplary, right? He, he is quick to submit to this plan because he sees it as God's plan. And anytime he sees God leading, he has walked that path. But it's incredible on many levels. Joseph defers to the plans of God first versus his plans for his own children. He also is saying that he wants his sons to have the future inheritance with Israel. What? Versus the riches and power that came from being Joseph's children. Remember, Joseph is one of the most powerful people in the world. And he's saying, I'm going to forgo giving all those blessings to my children. Instead, I want them to be united to the people of the promise. And so he bows and he submits to this. His hope is not in the riches of this earth, but rather in the promises of God. And he wants that for his children as well. Now came time for the blessing. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand and brought them near him. Okay, we've already seen there's an eyesight problem here. Okay, so he's helping dad out. Hey, dad, okay. On the right hand is the oldest. On the left hand is the youngest. He doesn't say that. He just, you know, he's just being respectful. But he's, he's helping him out here. 
And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands. For Manasseh was the firstborn. Okay, so this is what's happening. He's got, he's got his hands like this now. And, and, and as he does that, he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel has redeemed me from all evil. Bless the boys. And in them let my name be carried on in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude into the midst of the earth. Jacob is so God-centered in all of this. I hope we see this over and over and over again. Israel, by the time he gets to this point in his life, is this all about the Lord? And he reflects on, hey, you know, my dad and my grandpa, they, 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 they followed after that God. And that God is the God who has shepherded me. He shepherded me. What does it mean to shepherd? It means to protect and provide and love and care for. This is the God who's been with him <clears throat> all to this day. And then the angel who had also redeemed him from all evil. So is this like a literal angel? Or who is this? Well, if you've been with us as we've been studying, we keep seeing this angel of the Lord showing up who has been equated to the Lord God, has the same kind of power as God. And so this is who he's talking about, this, this angel of the Lord, God in flesh, in, in pre-incarnate, right, before Christ. So a lot of people think it is Christ before he came. And so he is the one, this angel, God, who has redeemed him from all evil, Laban, and all that he tried to do against him, Esau, who had threatened his life, the, the people who threatened them after Shechem had been destroyed, they, they had the fear of the Lord come over them. God has been his protection over him, over them over and over and over again. And now he prays his blessing over the boys. He prays that, that, that their name would be made great and, and that they would become a multitude in the midst of the earth. The, the same blessing that he had received now, he's passing on to them. But as he's doing this blessing, it says that when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. He said, wait, 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 this isn't right. And Joseph said to his father, not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. Right? So he's, he's doing this. And, and Joseph, in, in, in the Hebrew, you see the, the, the intensity was happening. It's literally like he gripped his hand and, and is, is forcibly trying to move it to the other son's ha- head. Why? Because everyone knows that the first blessing should go to the firstborn. And this is what Joseph expects. He, he sees no reason for it to be any other way. It's not like Manasseh, you know, some kind of drug lord or something and, and living apart from the Lord. It's like, oh, I can get that. You know, it seems like Ephraim should get it. No, they're both godly guys. So why is it different? Because God gets to choose whom he blesses in the way that he blesses. And this is what we find that Jacob says. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He's like, I, I get it. My eyesight's not great. But I know what I'm doing here. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. 
So he blessed them on that day, saying, By Israel, by you, Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. God gets to choose whom he blesses and with what he blesses. He is the one who is sovereign and over it all. And so he makes Ephraim, a, a, he says that there'll be a multitude of nations coming from him. This is God's design. He who is over it all, this is his design. Barnhouse says this, it is taken Jacob a lifetime of divine discipline to learn that he must only speak and do the word of God. Now he dared to trust God and believe his plans were best. He dared to do God's will despite the wishes of his illustrious godly son. Jacob had his anchor into the will of God forever. He's not, even, even Joseph can't sway him. He's like, no, I gotta, I gotta say what God wants me to say. And so if Ephraim is to be blessed over Manasseh, then I must say that. This morning, are you blessed? How have you been blessed? When we think about God choosing, have you been chosen? Have you been chosen by him? You know, if, we, if you were to pick teams, and there's the world picking teams, and there's God picking teams, what we find in 1 Corinthians is that God picks teams differently than the world picks teams. The world picks who? The most powerful, the rich, the, those who are esteemed above all others. God picks the opposite. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29 says this, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Doesn't mean that none of those people were chosen, but the majority, not the case. But God chose what is foolish, in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So as we think, sit here and think this morning, we're like, am I blessed? Yeah, if you know Christ, you have been blessed. The world wouldn't have picked you. They would have just wanted to destroy you. But God, he looked down and said, I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. Hey, fool. Hey, unwise. Right? Isn't that? It's a little humbling. Right? You're like, okay. But, but, but what? We're his kids now. Right? Like you want to talk about blessing. We would have received nothing from the world. Just kind of do what we tell you. But God says, I will make you my own and I now will bless you. And we're going to see what those blessings look like as we move forward. But God gets the glory. God gets the glory for the blessings that we have received. Not that any of us deserved it, but that God gave it. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die. But God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you rather than to your brothers one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. Israel, again, truly is a man of faith. He he looks ahead. He's like, I'm going to give you this land, and you will go to this land. And and as we look forward as to how this played out, guess what? Joseph's bones were taken from Egypt, and in Joshua 24, we see that they were buried at this place. Mm, Like over 400 years later, okay? Okay. 
It wasn't like it was the next day. It wasn't like Joseph had his summer cottage in this place, right? This was, again, an act of faith to say, this is how the Lord will bless. He will bring you to this land. Hebrews 11.21, commenting on this exact passage, it says this, By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. How is he worshiping here? He's worshiping because he takes God's word and he believes it and he acts upon it. That's worship. Worship is, 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 is not just singing a song. It is hearing God's word and believing what he says and then acting accordingly. This is a life of worship. And so this is what uh, Jacob was doing as he blesses these two grandsons who are now his sons through adoption. God does not bless in the way that we would expect. Again, we're seeing that highlighted. Ephraim chosen over Manasseh. Still blessed. Both are blessed, but God gets to choose. Secondly, we see the blessings of God through you. The blessings of God through you. What I, what I want us to take note of as we, as we continue to look at the blessings now given to Jacob's sons is that your actions matter. Like sometimes those of you who have a good understanding of the gospel, what is the understanding of the gospel that I ought to understand? This, there is nothing that you can do in order for you to get to heaven. The only way that you can get to heaven is by trusting in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the one who took all of your sins put them upon himself, and then paid your debt upon the cross. And in exchange for your debt, he then gave you his perfect life. So how is it that we get into heaven? It is through that, by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has paid it all, and then you live for him. That's the gospel. And so there can be this temptation to begin to think, well, does it really matter what I do? Do my actions really matter? You can almost get to where Paul says in Romans 6, shall we sin that grace might abound? And if that's your thinking, one, be warned. If you think that you continually living in the flesh is what God would want for you, you may not have truly placed your faith in him. And then number two, be warned that your actions have consequences. As we're going to see here. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, their past actions have consequences on their blessings. And so if you and I would want to be blessing, be blessed and be a blessing to others, we must understand that it does matter what we do. Even as we're going to see, there, there's going to be this trajectory given through these names, but there's also a warning. Listen, this is the way it will be unless you change. And we are going to see with Levi... Because they changed, there was a different story, ending to their story, versus Simeon, who did not change, right? The tribe of Simeon. So let's get into it. So our actions matter. If we want to be a blessing, then, then we must live according to God's word. Verse 1, chapter 49. Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you what shall happen to you in the days to come. Having blessed Ephraim and Manasseh, it is now time for the rest of the sons to be blessed. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. And he begins with the oldest son, Reuben. 
Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the first fruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. Oh, this is good. Like Reuben must be like, oh, I didn't think this was going to go well. Right? Why? Because it's not been great. If you've been tracking through Genesis, it's not been great between Reuben and dad for quite some time now. And as we look at verse 3, what, we're gonna, what we see here is this is the way it should have been. He is the first fruits of Jacob's strength. He, he is the firstborn. He, he is the one that, that should have been preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power, but not. Verse 4, unstable as water, you shall not have preeminence. Because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. And so he, 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 he says, listen, based on his previous sin, what was his sin? was not just simply sleeping with his concubine, Jacob's concubine. It was a power grab. He was trying to usurp power in a fleshly way. He was trying to manipulate through a sinful way and get what he thought he was deserved. And God will not have his people led by people like that. It's interesting, you start to trace Reuben's story through the tribe of Reuben. Not one prophet, not one king, not one judge, not one priest comes from the line of Reuben. He's not the only one who has his blessing impacted by his past actions. Verse 5, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not into their counsel, O my glory. Be not joined to their company, for in their anger they killed men, and in their willfulness they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. And Jacob is saying, I don't want anything to do with these sons. I don't want to have anything to do with their, their anger. Cursed be their anger. Cursed be their wrath, for it is cruel. And their portion is what? That they will be divided in Jacob and scattered in Israel. This is what their blessing will be. Now, it's interesting, again, as you trace this through, Simeon, after they get to the promised land, he kind of fades away. A Simeon is given land, but not its own land. It's given land within Judah. And then they kind of just fade away. Levi is different. Levi is different because the descendants of Levi begin to follow after the Lord, begin to be zealous for the Lord. We're going to meet a famous Levite in two weeks. His name is? Moses, right? He's Moses. His brother Aaron, also a Levite. Phineas, who has a zeal for God, a Levite. There's going to be a time in, in Exodus where, maybe not Exodus, I can't remember if we get there or not. It's in the Pentateuch somewhere. Anyway, but, but there's a time where there's evil happening, and Moses says to them, are you on God's side or are you on the other side? And they all gather together and say, we're on the Lord's side. And so as a result of that, they get to become priests. They get to become priests, and, and they are not given their own land, but they are given cities to live within and pasture land. And so they're still scattered. They're still the truth of this 
blessing here, but God reverses it and, and makes it something into a blessing versus a curse. We're going to skip over Judah and Joseph, and we're just going to hit these other seven sons real quick. Um, there's this brief things on them, and then we're going to get back to those other two sons because it is through those two sons that the majority of blessings come. First, we see Zebulun, verse 13. Zebulun shall dwell at the shore of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships, and his border shall be at Sidon. He's the sixth child. He's before Issachar, but he's placed before him in the list. It's likely because of what we see of Issachar afterwards. He's a, he's a son that is more blessed than Issachar. He, he, though landlocked, he will become uh, prosperous through international trade. This is his story. Issachar is a strong donkey crouching between the sheepfolds. He saw the resting place, that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant. So he bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant at forced labor. Uh, not great. Now, Issachar is, is kind of lazy, is what we see here. He's not really ready to fight. And so there's been this... this uh, in Judges, we see that they're continually fighting against the Canaanites. It would seem that Issachar during this time is just like, we'll just work for Canaan. We're good. We'll just you know, give us some food. That's great. We'll just work for you, and we'll be in subjection to you. And so that's the scene that we see here. They, they, they become a servant of forced labor. Dan, verse 16, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls backward. And Walkie commenting on this, he says, Though small, Dan will be aggressive, dangerous, and strike unexpectedly to overthrow nations. Samson. Samson comes from the tribe of Dan. Okay, And you think about small and able to unleash great wrath against the enemies. Of course, we see that with Samson. And then he says, in the midst of these blessings, I wait for your salvation, O Lord. And Jacob cries out to the Lord in prayer for his people as he anticipates the many battles that they will face. And he trusts in the Lord for their salvation from their enemies. And we see again, verse 19, raiders shall raid Gad, but he shall raid at their heels. Over their history, Gad was attacked over and over again, but the Lord helped them overcome and reverse what was done to them. Instead of them being raided, they became the raiders. Asher's food shall be rich, and he shall yield royal delicacies. Asher will live in a fertile and productive land, and he will provide rich food. Naphtali is a doe let loose that bears beautiful fawns. The doe was famous for beauty and for fleetness. This tribe would be known for its freedom and agility and would keep its character. There's great things said about Naphtali in the book of Judges. And then we see Benjamin as a ravenous wolf in the morning devouring the prey and at evening dividing the spoil, verse 27. He's going to be such that, 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 that he is mighty in battle. And we see that with Benjamin over and over again. There's great victories run through the tribe of Benjamin when they're walking with the Lord. But we also see they use their might against God's people uh, in Judges 19 through 21. And so there's, these, there's, there's this protection, there's this provision by the Lord for each of these, but they will also have a, 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 a battle to be faced for each one of them. All of these tribes, as we're going to see, they, they kind of 
they grow less and less in importance and Judah grows and grows in importance. And we'll see why in just a moment. But God is the one who gives the blessing. Now, I want us to, to just take note of, of something here. Ephraim was given a great blessing, right, in, in chapter 48. And they were blessed in many ways for a long time. But when they turned away from the Lord, they no longer were blessed. Now, Psalm 78, verses 9 and 10. Psalm 78, 9 and 10. Psalm 78, verse 9 says this, The Ephraimites armed with the bow turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. As a result of that, verse 67 of chapter 78 he rejected the tent of Joseph. This is what God did. He rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. And I point out both Levi and Ephraim for a reason. I want us to, to stop and think about how does that apply to you and I today? Sometimes people are like, well, you know, I was born into a family of sinners, and I just, you know, I guess I'm always going to be like I'm going to be. That's not the case. You have a choice. Just as Levi had a choice, the descendants of Levi had a choice, Moses and, and Aaron and Phineas. you can choose to be on the Lord's side. You can, you can forsake your sin and choose the Lord. But I also bring up Ephraim to say this. Just because you grew up in a Christian home doesn't mean that you will be blessed. You too need to choose the Lord if you would receive a blessing. You can't live off of mom and dad's faith. It's not a generational thing. You have to choose the Lord if you would be blessed. And so this morning, are you a person through whom blessing goes? Are you you someone like, like, like a... Like a Levi who has turned from their sin and then is being used of the Lord. Uh, As believers, we already looked at this last week, we are a priesthood, right? Is God using you to be a priesthood for his namesake? So I pray that you are a blessing. Not only have you been blessed, but through you, you're blessing others as you point them to the Lord God. Well, the last thing I want us to note are the blessings of God for you. The blessings of God for you. We're going to see this in both Je- uh, J- uh, Judah and Joseph. Joseph, not too hard to think that he would be blessed abundantly, right? Like we, we've been following his life along, all along, and he's, he's just incredible, right? He's, 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 a, he's a man who continually looks to the Lord God. Judah... That, that, that he would be blessed, that seems like a little bit of like a, really, Judah? Like Judah, the same Judah that sold Joseph into slavery? I mean, didn't he sin just as great as Reuben and Simeon and Levi? Like, like his sin seems pretty big, right? Selling your brother into slavery. Sleeping with someone that you thought was a prostitute who turned out to be your daughter-in-law. That seems pretty big. Like continually being a liar about what has happened. I mean, that, that seems pretty big as well. Like, like a lot of sin going on there. But, but Judah's trajectory changed. It changed when he said to Tamar, you're more righteous than I. 
He owned his sin. He repented of his sin. And by the time they get to meet the brothers, we, sorry, they, the brothers meet Joseph, we see that he is living an entirely different life now. He is the leader of these 11 brothers. He, he not only is the elite leader of these brothers, but he's living a sacrificial life in the sense that he would give up his own life for the sake of his brother Benjamin. He would be enslaved rather than his brother Benjamin. And what a, what a change in his life. And so when you understand all of that, then you can see, okay, this is why he too was blessed in this way. And even more so than Joseph. We see this in verse 8, that this Judah, this line from Judah, will be the answer to the blessing in Genesis 3, to the blessing in Genesis 12. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub from the prey. My son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness. Who dares rouse him? As we read through the Old Testament, we, we see this rise of the tribe of Judah, that all the other tribes of Israel do bow down to him down to this tribe. And, and we see ultimately what? David is chosen to be a king from Judah, right? He's from Judah. And Solomon, at the height of it all, there was no nation that could defeat Israel at that time. There was peace. There was prosperity in this time. God, God fulfilled that in the Old Testament. But that wasn't the end of it. There was another one who was still to come that, that would make Solomon and, and David look like nothing. They only pointed to the great one. The one that we read about in Revelation 5.5, 5, the Lion of Judah. Revelation 5.5, 5, And one of the elders said to me, this is a scene from heaven, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered so he can open the scroll and its seals. This is pointing to Jesus Christ. This, 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 this blessing is pointing to Christ. And we see this in elaborated in verse 10. The, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. A king is coming from this line. And this king will, will not cease to be on the throne. Again, God reminded us in his Davidic covenant with David to say, hey, listen, there's always going to be one on the throne from your line. So then there's David and there's Solomon, and you can trace it along. But there was still one to come, the one to whom tribute will come, the one to whom all the, to whom, uh, all the sorry, shall be the obedience of all the peoples. One day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is this one who was to come from the line of Judah. The one whom all the peoples of the earth would be blessed. And so we see this in Christ's first coming, but there's also an indication of what will happen in his second coming. Verse 11. Binding his foal to the, his, uh, to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. All right, pretty clear. Don't need to say anything more on that. Next verse. 
Okay, maybe, maybe we need to figure out, well, what's talking about here? Okay, so just a few things. The foal, sometimes translated donkey in your translations. It was, it was something that in the, in the book of Judges, chiefs, princes would ride. I believe this is alluding to Zechariah 9.9. The the, the prophecy that was fulfilled through Jesus Christ when he came in on Palm Sunday, when he came into Jerusalem riding on a foal, on a colt. He is the one, is the fulfillment of this. But it says that that he will tie this foal, he'll bind this foal to the vine, which again, you know, we're not too many vineyards around here, right? You got to drive a little bit to see a vineyard. So what is going on here? It's a time of prosperity. This is what this is going, this is what's being said here. It will be so prosperous. There'll be so much, there's to be so much uh, wine in vineyards at that time that you can go ahead and try and tie your donkey to the vineyard and he can munch away and it's no big deal. That's how prosperous the life of that, of that kingdom will be. Not only that, did you know? They're washing clothes in wine. They're washing clothes in wine. In other words, the wine will be so abundant, it will be like water. This is how rich and prosperous this kingdom will be. And I think uh, Hamilton here, he, he gets it right in this, in this vesture in the blood of grapes. I think there's a, there's a turn here. There's the, the blessing, but this vesture in the blood of grapes this idea of blood, if, you get, if you've read Revelation, when Christ returns, the judgment will be so great that the, that the blood will be up to the horse's bridle. That was so great will the judgment be. And I think this is what God is alluding to through this as well. Hamilton says this, To his own, the, the, this one will bring joy and fullness. And to those who reject him, he brings terror. And so for those of you who are in Christ, there's... A, there's an incredible time of prosperous blessing coming your way. So much so that the wine will flow like water does. That, this, is the, this is the picture. But for those who reject Christ, for those who say, I don't need him, I don't want anything to do with him, judgment is coming. His wrath will come. And I pray that even this morning you would say, I don't want that. I want his blessing. I want to turn away from the curse. I want to place my hope and trust in him and live for him for the rest of my days. It says, verse 12, his eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. This seems to point to the impact that this prosperity had on this leader. He is of great health and well-being. He brings with him great Prosperity. Now, I, either I've forgotten it or I never learned it, but, but I thought this was fascinating. What, what's Jesus' first miracle? What does he do? He turns the water into wine. And in so doing, he's saying, listen, I'm here. I am the Messiah. And this is just a foretaste of, of the kingdom that is to come. It points to the wedding supper of the Lamb when we as saints will all be with him and it will be an amazing feast. Are you ready? Are you anticipating? This is going to be incredible. 
And Hugh says this. I like, I like how he puts this. We understand that the exuberant, endless wine of the kingdom can only be ours through the shed blood of the lion of the tribe of Judah. If you want tickets to the feast, then you must go through Christ. Only through him can we receive this blessing. Well, quickly, I want to just look at the blessings through Joseph. Verse 22, Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run, run over the wall. The, the picture here is this, this fruit tree. It is so well watered that it just keeps growing and growing and growing. It goes outside of its yard and the branches are so heavy with fruit that it's giving fruit to all those who would pass by. In other words, Joseph was blessed in such a way that he became a blessing for all. And of course, we've seen this in the life of Joseph. And Jacob here is recalling the life of Joseph, just as he recalled the life of Reuben and Simeon and Levi in the negative. Here he's recalling it in the positive. And maybe just to note, these blessings ultimately will be passed on through through Joseph to Ephraim and Manasseh. But Joseph is described as this fruitful bough. Isaiah also mentions this of the Messiah. The archers, verse 23, the archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely. We we took note of the fact that that Joseph had a hard life. For 13 years, he, he, he suffered greatly because of his brothers, because of Potiphar's wife. Yet, it says, his bow remained unmoved. His character remained steadfast. How, how did Joseph do it? How did he get through it all? Well, Jacob shows us. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the beast and of the womb. How did Joseph do it, God. God was the provider. God was the protector. I love these different names that he uses, right? The mighty one of Jacob, the shepherd, the stone of Israel, the God of your father and the almighty. The first and last of these attributes, they they highlight God's power to do what he says he will do. The shepherd, again, it it shows us the care and protection and provision that were his through God. The stone of Israel, it means that that he is unchangeable, that he's always dependable. And the God of your father and El Shaddai, El Shaddai, he is the one who is responsible for all the blessings that Joseph received. And he is the the one responsible for all the blessings that all of us receive. He is the one who causes the rains to come, the blessings from the heavens. He is the one who causes the crops to grow, the blessings from beneath. And he is the one who causes life to come, to to be fruitful and multiply. All children are from God. He is the one who gives these blessings. Verse 25, or sorry, 26, the blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents, up to the boundaries of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart, who was set apart from his brothers. 
And as he closes this, he's saying, Joseph, you have been set apart by the Lord. And in this final blessing, he prays that his blessing would be beyond all the others, that his, his bounties would be of everlasting hills. Looking to the time beyond Joseph, we see God's fulfillment. Just briefly, Ross notes, victory in battle was experienced by Joshua, Deborah, and Samuel, all from the tribe of Ephraim, by Gideon and Jephthah, both of Manasseh. But ultimately what? There was a shift even from Joseph, as we already alluded to. God had richly blessed Joseph, and he blessed Ephraim and Manasseh for a time. But as they turned from the ways of the Lord, the focus then became on Judah and the one who would come through Judah. And it is through him that you and I are blessed this morning. If you would come from under the curse, then you must go through Jesus Christ. And if you're in Christ this morning, let me remind you of how much you've been blessed. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. I'd say that's pretty good. Notice what it says. You've been blessed with some of the blessings from heaven. Is that what it says? No, he says you've been given every spiritual blessing. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I can be a little bit of a whiner, a little bit of a complainer, a little bit of a grumbler. May that die quickly. And may we see how much we have been blessed by God. I don't know about you. I mean, this is one of these, this is one of these passages where you're like, okay, that's really interesting. But I hope your view of God is just like, like Jacob's at the end of his life. Lord, you are the mighty one. You are the shepherd. You are the rock. Like only you could come up with this plan. And I see it traced right from Genesis right through to Revelation in this text. God, you are awesome. And if you had all of that in your hands, Lord, surely you have my little life in your hands. And you have blessed me richly, and I will praise you, and I will follow you, and Lord, I will seek to be a blessing to others as I live for you. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for your word, for the reminder Lord, that you are sovereign over everything. And God, we submit to you this morning. You who is El Shaddai. You who is the Alpha and Omega, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God, we pray, may our understanding of you just grow and grow and grow. There is no greater blessing than knowing you. And so, God, we pray as we leave here this morning, we would just be in awe of who you are and the blessings that you've given us. We pray that we would seek to be a blessing to those around us, just as we have been blessed through Jacob. Lord, we pray that we would be a blessing to those around us. Lord, as we proclaim the great name of Jesus Christ, 
God, I pray this morning that there is no one here who still stands condemned. Lord, who still is under your wrath. God, I pray if that would be the case, God, would you be merciful? God, would you cause them to repent even just now? And may they receive your blessing that you would take them from being a child of wrath to being a child of God. God, we know that you could do that work. We pray that you would even now, for you are good. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit us online at redemption.ca.